brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Let's Ask Paul, the podcast where we talk about the National Electoral Code and we answer all those pressing questions that you submit over on the portal. What's the portal? Over on paulabernathy.com, it's a free portal where you can submit any electrical question you wish. You simply go to paulabernathy.com, you put in your name, Put in your information, put in your question, click that submit button, and it comes directly to me, and I answer your code questions. It's just that simple. Now, sometimes I answer the questions in an email, and sometimes if they're really good, uh, and I think others can learn from it, I will answer it in a podcast, much like we're going to do today. Now, before we get into today's uh, questions, I want to remind you to everybody out there, if you haven't downloaded it yet or you've gotten it, you need to get our app. That's right. We have a free app and you can get our app at many places. You can go to our website, electricalcodeacademy.com.net or.org. It doesn't matter. And at the top, you'll see a link that says download our free banner uh, or excuse me, our free app. Um, but we also set up a free portal page, which is designed and it's part of our National Electrical Collective. That is our ongoing project to bring as much code and electrical information together in one resource. And over there, I have put a link to download the app as well. So what's the website? It's easier to remember. It's just www.neccat.com. So two C's in there. So neccat.com. Uh, so neccat.com. Uh, uh, and you can get that. And it will um, download right onto your phone. Uh, it's in partnership with Spaces, which is part of the Wix network. Uh, they host the sites and everything. So um, it's free. It's easy to use. You can get access to this podcast. You can get access to um, videos. You can chat with us if you have a code question. You can go onto the Sparky Hub, which is our social media platform that's built right into the, the app itself. So there's so much stuff that you can do. Uh, I like to think it's a, a code guy in your pocket. So I'm always there. K 
case you need us. Of course, we have so many members now over on the Sparky Hub that you can go over and just post your questions. And some of those great members that are over there can chime in and give you some advice. So again, check out the Sparky Hub on our new mobile app. So check it out. Also, I'll remind you that if you want to get any good swag, I'm talking things like stickers and hats and mugs and whatever that shows your pride as an electrician, whether it's master electrician, journeyman, uh, or generic electrician, check out Electrician Pride. That's Electrician Pride, that's P-R-I-D-E dot com. And that is our website that has tons of exclusive content. We have the Electrofly... the Electrify, the Electrify Wear over there, which is that unique logo for electricians only. Uh, check that out. You can get that over there as well. Um, so, you know, there's just so much stuff over there. I, I love the hat. You see me wear the hat all the time. Different colors, different options, but it's embroidery, and it's really nice. It's a really nice hat. They hold up really, really well. So there's snapback, things like that. So check that out over on electricianpride.com. All right, enough of the commercials. So let's get into today's episode. That's what you all came for, right? In this episode, uh, we've got two questions we're going to answer. And then we're going to get into the first one. All right, the very first one says, Hello, I wanted to see what you think about Romex rating. I don't see it on the chart, but I do see 334.80. And it says, take it at 60 degrees. But I also see 334.112 that says take it at 90 degrees per insulation. I just want to I just want to get some more information and see why it's not on the chart at all and what ambient temperatures you can take it at. Thanks. The code I have read is just confusing and I want to get it cleared up. Okay, so we're going to clear it all up for you. Make it easy for you to understand. First things first, look. The 334.12, let's get that out of the way. Since that is under part three of article 334, that only deals with the construction specification. So that's really a manufacturer thing. It's not anything that you're going to use for anything. Okay, That is something that the manufacturer already takes care of, part of their design. And of course, this is non-metallic sheath cable. So... When a manufacturer does, makes it, they have to meet the guidelines of the original ANSI UL standard, which is UL 719. And that's the standard for non-metallic sheath cable. Now, in that standard, it's required that the insulation on the conductors inside of the sheathing, and that's what that is, that outer covering, that's a sheathing, and then the insulated conductors are inside of it. Of course, you also have a bare equipment grounded conductor uh, that's in between the two insulated conductors. And uh, the the key thing to to remember here is this is already done by the manufacturer. And they're required to make sure that that insulation on those conductors are rated for 90 degree. Now, with that said, I can see where you can get confused because you're thinking, okay, well, you're telling me it's 90 degree. Um, See, well, the reality is, yeah, it is, but you can't use it for your everyday installation at 90, except you can use it to make adjustment and corrections. And I'll talk about that here in uh, just a second. So uh, my advice first is for you to ignore 334.112. 
It's just going to get in your mind, and you have zero control over anything that's done in part three. Okay, you're not a manufacturer of it. You don't have any say in it. You don't uh, have anything to do with this. So ignore part three. It's not coming into the equation at all. So that should get rid of part of your question right there. Take care of that. Now, we'll talk about the 90-degree insulation and why it's important, but as far as for this conversation, it's, it's not as important to, to answering your actual question, okay? All right, so now with that said, we're going to go look at 334.80. Now, as you know, this is uh, titled Empacity. So first things first, the reason that you don't see, and you didn't allude to it here, but the reason that you don't see an ampacity value or, or an NMB or anything like that listed in table 31016 for ampacity, because that table dealing with conductors. Now, obviously the conductors are inside of this cable assembly, and those conductors are listed on 31016, that table for ampacity. But you're not going to see NMB there because that table is designed for conductors, not for cable assemblies. Okay, So the cable assembly is made up of individual insulated conductors. Of course, there are bare conductors in there as well for non-metallic sheath cable. You get the bare copper. Uh, nothing prohibits it from being an insulated equipment ground, but chances are most people, it's cost prohibited to do that. So we're not going to put, you know, any insulated equipment ground in there. Can't say that you never, because it is would be compliant with the standard. Uh, but you got to remember that the 250.118 says that equipment grounds can be bare, covered, or insulated. Okay, so in this case, we use bare for for this application, and that's dealing with the equipment ground. All right, look at 334.80 for me. You see ampacity. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to explain it. It says the ampacity of type NM and NMC, and of course you'll hear me talk about NMB, that is still covered under NM. The dash B is only the nomenclature to signify that the conductors inside of that cable are indeed rated 90 degree as required in 334.112 and required by UL 719. But there's no need to put the dash B there because it's still NM cable. It's still non-metallic sheath cable. So no need for the extra redundancy. All right, so it says the ampacity of type NM and NMC uh, cable shall be determined in accordance with 310.1, uh, 31014, okay? It says the ampacity shall not exceed that of the 60 degrees C or 140 degrees Fahrenheit rated conductor. It says, so first of all, let's break that down. It's telling you it shall not exceed it, period. So the ampacity of a conductor under the 60-degree column of table 31016, that is the ampacity of that conductor under the conditions of use that are covered in that table, and that is 30 degrees C, 86 degrees Fahrenheit, and not more than three current carrying conductors. Then that ampacity that's in table 31016 that is the ampacity of that conductor based on its size, based on those conditions of use, indefinitely. That's how much current it can handle. Now, the only reason we have problems with conductors is that we don't have a perfect world. They sometimes get put in a situation where you're bundling multiple NM, 
uh, non-metallic sheath cables together and they're in contact with thermal insulation, uh, then we have to do something different because of that heat, the heat can escape out of the sheathing efficiently. And if you bundle them, the heat can't dissipate out and it retains the heat and then it rapidly reaches the volatility point of that insulation. It's not going to take long. I'm telling you, if the insulation is rated at one, one point and then you got all this heat rapidly increasing the, the ambient temperature around those conductors, you could get to a failure point pretty darn quickly if you're doing something like bundling. In other words, taking all the cables and bringing them real close together because you think it looks neater or you're sticking them in thermal insulation and they can't dissipate heat. Now we're going to look at that a little more here in a second, but that's the concept. Okay. So when it tells you that, that you can't exceed, you shall not exceed the 60. Even if we have 90 degree rated insulation, you're going to see in a minute that we can use that ampacity value for adjustment and corrections at the end of the day, still can't exceed the value that's given in the 60 degree column. In fact, even after you do an adjustment and correction, if the ampacity drops below that value that's in the 60 degree column, then that is the new ampacity of that conductor and you can't exceed it, which in many cases is going to result in having to go up to a larger conductor because there's a certain number of ampacity that you're trying to achieve. That's why you're picking the conductor in the first place. Okay. All right. So let's go on to the next line. It says the 90 degrees C or 194 degrees Fahrenheit rating shall be permitted for use for ampacity adjustment and correction calculations. Provided the final calculated ampacity does not exceed that of the 60 degree rated conductor. So what that means is since that conductor is rated 90 and let's say I start at a, at a rating. Well, you know what? Let's do a conductor so that you can get the best understanding of what it. Let's look at 31016. If you got your code book. Now, if you submitted this question and you do not have a code book, I need to remind you, I am not here to teach the untrained. We only teach electricians. So if you're a hairy homeowner or you're a DIY or a do-it-yourselfer, then I need to remind you again that any advice, anything that I talk about here, you do at your own risk. We are not responsible. You really should hire a licensed electrician to do it. Okay. We do not like questions on our forums that are not from electricians. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to do the DIY or help the uh, hairy homeowner. So I just want to get that out of the way. All right, so if you were to go and let's say we're talking about a 14-gauge copper. So we're saying a 14-2 non-metallic sheath cable. So if you go to 310.16, you'll notice that under 14-gauge, that under the 60-degree, a 14 is good for 15 amperes. Right? And you notice that little asterisk next to the 14 on the left side of 310.16. That's also... Uh, signifies the fact that you still have to protect that conductor at its ampacity and it requires you to have a 15 amp overcurrent protected device. And then we're talking about for general branch circuit, general application. We're not talking motors. We're not talking HVAC, just a general conversation about the normal 14 gauge and a 14 two that you might wire your living room in or your bedrooms in. You see me? All right. So it's good for 15 amps under 60, but notice that under the 90 degree column for copper, do you notice that it's good for 25 amperes? So if I have a situation, and we're going to look at the next two pieces to 334.80, but I want to put this in your head. 
if I've got a condition we're getting ready to talk about here in a second, I'm allowed to use that higher level of ampacity under the 90 degree column because those conductors are insulated at 90. I can use that ampacity to do my adjustment or correction as, as long as the end result does not exceed the rating under the 60 degree. Now that confuses a lot of people, so let me even break that down more. So let's just say, and this is what I mean. First things first, you can't exceed 15, period. Just period. But let's say I have a situation where I have 25 amps and I'm going to do an adjustment and correction. And after that, my conductor now is worth uh, 18 amperes. Well, you might say, well, Paul, doesn't that exceed 15? Absolutely, it does. But you can't exceed 15. In other words, that conductor is still good for the 15 amps in, in the 60 degree column. It's good for 18, but you can't use those extra couple amps over 15 because you can't exceed the value in the 60-degree column, which is 15. The only reason you did the adjustment correction from the 90 is to make sure that your conductor can still handle the load at the 60-degree rating. So I always tell people, pick the conductor based on the terminal limitations or what the code says, pick that first. And then use the 90, if, if your insulation's rated for 90, use the 90 to do the adjustment or correction to see if the conductor is still okay. See if the original one you picked is still good enough to handle the job. If you adjust it and correct it and now it falls below the value of the 60, or even if you're using 90 and you've got 75 degree terminals, even if you do it and it falls below the rating of the 75 degree column, guess what? That's not going to work. You might have to go up to a larger conductor. Or maybe your load is less than the value under the 60 or 75 degree column, and you're going to protect it accordingly with the properly sized overcurrent protected device. Okay? So don't think you can just use the 90s ampacity. All right? So that, ans so that answers that part of it. So that's what we're talking about when it comes to that. So now, now that you got that premise, let's go back to 334.80 and let's kind of read a little further here. It says, um, the ampacity of type NM and NMC cables installed in cable trays shall be determined in accordance with 392.80A. So we're not talking about cable trays today. Um, so that's the first part of 334.80, okay? So what did we learn? You can't exceed the 60 ampacity values. You can use the 90 for adjustment and corrective purposes. Still can't exceed the value of the 60-degree column. You're just doing the adjustment and correction to make sure that you still have a conductor that can handle the load that you picked the conductor to handle in the first place. Okay, so you're just checking that out, making sure that's okay. And if it is... Like in our case, it's 25 amps. It dropped it down to 18 amps, but your your column's uh, six-degree column, the max is 15 amps, then you're still good to go. Don't have to worry about anything. But if it had dropped it down under 15 amps and your calculated load needed to have 15 amps, then you got a problem. You're going to have to go to a bigger conductor. You have to jump up to a 12-gauge or something. Okay, so those are the things to think about. Now, Let's go down to the second set of paragraphs here. It says, now I'm at 334.80 now. It says, when more than two NM cables containing two or more current carrying conductors are installed, and I need to explain this. So it says, we're more than two. 
So three or more. And when it says two or more current current conductors, I'll remind you that a typical 14-2 with the black and a white, that is two current current conductors, right? Hot's going out, power's going out on the black, coming back on the white. It's not exactly how it works, but you get the point. Both of those are current current conductors. So that is two current current conductors. So now if I have three NM cables bundled together, then I'm going to obviously have to do something. So let's read a little further. It says, again, it says where more than two NM cables containing two or more current current conductors are installed without maintaining spacing between the cables through the same opening in wood framing that is to be sealed with thermal insulation, caulk, or sealing foam, the ampacity of each conductor shall be adjusted in accordance with table 310.15C1, and the provisions of 310.14A2 exceptions shall not apply. Okay, so let me break that down for you. So typically, when you're running horizontally, you're not going to be sealing those holes. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Right? You're not going to be sealing, sealing any of the holes or anything like that. Um, so typically, you're, you're not going to worry about those when it comes to this rule, when it comes to sealing or thermal insulation or whatever. Now, I'm going to remind you, though, that does not relieve you if you're bundling um, and it's more than 24 inches without maintaining spacing. You are not going to be able to get away from the requirements that are in the code for bundling. Hey, I'm just going to tell you that right now because people say, well, I'm in NMB. I don't have to worry about the rules in 310. That is not true. You still got to meet the rules of 310.15C1 um, where it says multi-conductor cables not installed in raceways are installed without maintaining spacing for a continuous length longer than 24 inches. Then you're going to have to do something and adjust. Okay? You're going to have to make an adjustment on that ampacity. All this one is saying here in 334.80 is that if I've got more than two NM, NM cables and I'm taking them through a board hole in wood framing and that hole is going to be sealed with thermal insulation, caulk, or sealing foam, which is typically when you go above a panel, for example, and you penetrate the top plate, 
because you have to maintain the rating of that assembly. So most jurisdictions are going to make you put foam in there or caulk it or seal it so that you maintain the fire rating or integrity of that, that, uh, uh, that cavity. That can happen if you drill down below. Uh, if you drill holes and change floors, like with home runs and things like that. So what it's saying is if you do that, then you're going to have to take into consideration table 310.15C. And that table deals with when you have more than three current current conductors. So you have, and that's going to reduce the opacity of your conductor. And I really can't show you a calculation on that here because it's a visual thing. Um, and if you're an electrician, hopefully you've watched our derating demystified video. It's available over in our subscription program over on our website, uh, electricalcodeacademy.com. Check it out. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what that rule means. Now, what does 310.14A2 exception shall not apply? So if you're not familiar with that one, that's the one where we call the 10% rule. And in that scenario, that one's saying where more than one ampacity uh, applies to a given circuit link, the lowest value shall be used. So that would mean that if I had an area that was bundled and I'm going to end up having to adjust it because of that bundling, but then it came out and there was another area that wasn't bundled, right? Then it, if you could use the exception, then basically it's saying, look, I can take the, the one with the lower value, okay, shall be used. So, but the good thing, thing about this is you cannot use this for NMB, right? So, again, where there's more than one ampacity given to a circuit link, the lowest value shall be used. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And the other thing, the reason it says exception to that is because in the exception, it's, this is where you get the 10-foot 10% rule. And it says where the, where the different ampacities apply to portions of the circuit, the higher ampacity shall be permitted to be used if the total portion of the circuit with the lower ampacity does not exceed the lesser of 10 foot and 10%. So that same example I just gave you, if I had a certain portion in thermal insulation and a certain portion that was not, well, the lower valued ampacity would be the one where you're going to apply an adjustment. It's going to drop down the level of the amount of current because of the heat that in contact with thermal insulation. And of course, the part that's not, you wouldn't have that, you wouldn't have to make that adjustment. Okay. So this is saying if that's the case and the one that, that resulted in the lower ampacity because of all the thermal insulation, if that portion is not uh, more than 10 feet or 10% of the total circuit, then I can just ignore that portion that's got the thermal insulation and I could use the higher ampacity. Now I went through explaining that to you, but I want you to be clear. You can't use that for NMB. Remember it said excluding. It says they shall not apply the exceptions. Okay. So I told you about it, explained it just a little bit. Try not to get too deep with that one, but it's not applicable to you anyway, because you're using non-metallic sheet cable. All right, and then the last one says, where more than two NM cables, again, three or more, containing two or more current current conductors, 
And I remind you that a 14-2 with a black and a white is two current current conductors are installed in contact with thermal insulation without maintaining spacing between cables. The ampacity of each conductor shall be adjusted in accordance with table 31015C1. Okay? So again, if that's the case, and this was part of my submission uh, in the uh, to, to, to get this all cleared up in the 2020 code, um, the thing to remember here is that if that NMB, failure to maintain spacing, what does that mean? Well, the NEC doesn't say how far apart they have to be, okay? But if you're going and they touch, then they're not maintaining spacing, right? They're touching. So if you're running more than two, three or more, and you're in contact with thermal insulation and you're not spacing or maintaining spacing of these cables, then you're going to have to apply an adjustment. And what does adjustment do? It's going to lower the ampacity of your conductor. And why is that bad? Because you might have selected a conductor because you needed a certain ampacity. But if you start taking its current carrying ability away and dropping it down, it might not be good enough to handle the load that you needed it for in the first place. That's important. Okay. So anyway, that's a lot of extra information to try to answer your question. I'm sure I confused somebody out there and I'm sure somebody out there will say, Paul, I could explain it better. And I eagerly await for your own podcast. And for those that like to copy other people's podcasts, shame on you. All right. So hopefully that clears it up. You're going to use the 60 degree. You can use a 90 for adjustment of corrections. As long as at the end of the day, your load does not exceed the value under the 60 degree column, or even the new value, if it drops below 60 degree, you cannot exceed that new ampacity value. What's going to happen is you're going to jump to a larger size conductor. That's it. What's going to end up being happening here. Okay. So keep that in mind. That's how it works. You can't use the nineties value. I know you want to use that ampacity, but only for adjustment and correction purposes. And if I didn't mention it, we talked about adjustment. But the correction has to do with ambient temperatures. If you're running it in an attic or you're running it somewhere where the elevated ambient temperature is other than 30 degrees Celsius, 86 degrees Fahrenheit, then you're going to have to make an actual correction. And it does the exact same thing. It reduces the amount of current that conductor can carry due to the condition of use that it's being placed in. Okay? A lot of busy stuff for people to know. That's why us electricians get the big bucks. And that's why I just don't want happy homeowners doing those type of things, okay? Even though you've got the right to, should you really be doing it? Probably not. All right, so that's it for that question. That was a bit of a long one. So let's see what else we got. All right, what do we got here? Okay, this next question says, I am finding out that people are interpreting the code for detached garages differently in the 2017 code it seems like it doesn't need ground rods at the sub-panel. Also, the neutral and grounds need to be connected. 250.32a, is this correct? And if so, what is the purpose of having the four-wire switch to separate ground and neutral going to the sub-panel? Okay, and thank you for that submission. All right, there's a lot going on in this question. 
uh, a lot of confusion going on in this question, so we want to make sure we clear it all up. First of all, let me set the record straight. If you have a detached structure, okay, it could be your, your building out in the backyard. For example, Jay, the basement king. Also, I will tell you, Jay's kicking it with the king comes out this weekend. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll let you know when, when that gets dropped. Um, and you might even hear a little bit about the special announcement of it tomorrow uh, on our coffee hour. Um, but if you're listening to this later, you don't know which coffee hour I'm talking about. So it will be the coffee hour that comes out on June 11th for those that might be listening to this podcast later. Um, it's going to be a great podcast really for electrical contractors and understanding business and things like that. I told Jay, I said, Jay, do me a favor, bro. Leave the code to me. You need to help electrical contractors. You need to help answer those because his company is growing like crazy and he's doing an amazing job with it. And he's just really dedicated to it. I'm very proud of him. Uh, and, uh, that's what he needs to focus on. And that's what he's going to be doing with kicking it with the king. So stay tuned for that. All right. So let's answer this question again here. So detached structure, like I guess I went there because Jay's putting a warehouse out in the back of his, uh, his home so he can store his electrical supplies. It's actually where he's going to work out of uh, for his distribution of his, uh, uh, his equipment to people. Um, so that structure is going to have a panel in it. And the code is required for many, many, many years now that any remote distribution panel, whether it's inside the dwelling or exterior feeding a separate building, you have to have four conductors. You have to two hots, one neutral. In this case, it'd be a neutral, but it's always going to be a grounded conductor there. But it could, in this case, it probably will be a neutral and an equipment ground. And so carrying that out to that detached structure and you're going to put your panel in there, which is going to have a main breaker because you need to have a disconnect there. Okay. And at the end of the day, you have to establish a grounding electrode system at that detached structure. Now the reference that he gives in 250.32, let's go look at it because 250.32 is reiterating that. Now, granted, this is a new installation. We are not talking about one that was allowed under the exception that was allowed a long time ago. No, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about new installations and whether or not you have to run four conductors in there, whether or not you have to have a grounding electrode system. So now he used the reference to 250.32a. So let's look at that. So 250.32 says buildings or structures supplied by feeders or brand circuits. It says A, grounding electrode. This is a building or structure supplied by a feeder or branch circuits shall have a grounding electrode system and grounding electrode conductor installed in accordance with part three of article 250. Where there is no existing grounding electrode, the grounding electrodes required in 250.50 shall be installed. Okay. And you get a bunch of different types of electrodes that we can have in 250. Uh, ground rods, ground rings, concrete cased electrodes. Uh, shoot. Just, you got many options, okay? The key here is it's said right up front in 250.32a that you've got to have one. You have got to establish it. 
Now, what he's probably thinking about is the exception, even though he didn't mention the exception. The exception says a grounding electrode shall not be required where only a single branch circuit, and that includes a multi-wire branch circuit. So it basically, let's say you had a black, a red, a white, and equipment ground, and you're trying to get two separate branch circuits out there, the red one and the white, uh, you know, the red and the white is going to be used for lighting, and then the black sharing that white multi-wire branch circuit is going to be used for receptacles. That's okay, and that's still considered a single branch circuit, even though you can get two separate circuits out of it. That's a multi-wire situation, okay? This is saying it's okay. Now, if that's what you're doing, and you're only going to go there, still got to have your disconnect set that detached structure. Usually it's going to be at a switch that you can cut it off and disconnect it. But that's okay, and you wouldn't have to establish any grounding electrode system. You just use the equipment grounds that are run with that circuit, and you'll be fine. But that's only under that exception. If you're going to put a panel in that detached structure, then that's a feeder, and you're going to have to have a grounding electrode system. That is 250.32A. Now, he didn't mention B, but that's the requirement for the grounding electrode. For B, it's the grounded system. And let's read this real quick. B1, it says, supplied by a feeder or brand circuit, says an equipment grounding conductor. All right, so remember, A is dealing with the requirement for the electrode there. B is talking about the need to run an equipment ground there. It says, an equipment grounding conductor, as described in 250.118, and there's a bunch of them in that list, shall be run with the supply conductors and be connected to the building or structure's disconnecting means and to the grounding electrodes. That's important because in his statement, he says that they have to be tied together. Absolutely not. When you're downstream of your service disconnecting means, when you're downstream, those remote distribution panels, you want to call them subibra, whatever you want to call them, you have to separate the equipment grounds from the grounded neutral conductors. You do not want to have the neutral bus making contact with the metal frame of a cabinet downstream. You'll create objectionable currents, 250.6, and you'll cause all kinds of problems, and you could energize your metal touch points. You don't want that. Absolutely not. But you're going to run a separate equipment ground that's going to go to a grounding bus that gets connected to the metal cabinet. And then you're going to go for the GEC that talks about in 250.32A. You're going to run it from there down to your electrodes that are covered in 250.32A. But you want that neutral to be technically, we call it floating. In other words, we don't want that bus and we don't want those neutrals that are going to terminate on it for the branch circuits that are going to come out of that panel we do not want that in intimate contact with the metal cabinet at all. So it's floating, okay? So it's why you have to make sure you look at your equipment, you make sure that you're taking out that green ground screw unless you're using it for a dedicated equipment grounding terminal bus. Make sure that the neutral's not. Easy way to check this is before you start terminating, just take an ohms uh, meter and or ring it out, continuity, and make sure you touch the, the cabinet Try to find a good touch point like one of the threaded holes and touch it and then take the other lead and put it on the neutral terminal bus. You should hear nothing, okay? Now, if you do that later, you might get an 
accidental case to neutral connection downstream that could cause a false notice if you did continuity. So that's why you want to check the bus when you first install it. Make sure there is no continuity between the metal enclosure and the equipment grounded terminal bus, which are together or over to the grounded neutral terminal bus. You do not want any ringing out or any ohming out or any, any beep. You don't want none of that. Okay. So we want that neutral to be isolated and it should be isolated away from the metal enclosure. Okay. So from that bus bar, the equipment ground bus bar, where all the bears are going to make connection to, or all the insulated green conductors are going to make, you want that to be connected to the cabinet. And then you want the grounding electroconductor to go from that point down to whatever electrode you choose. And it sounds like to me, the best solution for them is just simply put two ground rods in and that's it. Okay. So hopefully we that answer that question. Now there is an exception to be one, but again, that says for installations made in compliance with previous additions of the code. So at one point it was permitted, but it is not anymore. And it hasn't been for many, many cycles. So if we're talking new installation, then you know what, if it's existing and it was compliant at the time, you ain't got to do jack to it. But if it's a new installation, you got to follow these rules and this exception is not going to apply. Okay. All right. Hopefully I answered that question for you. Pretty straightforward again. And also I'll remind you, it doesn't matter even if it's a garage, a remote distribution panel that you're putting in a basement. It's being fed from the main service equipment in the in a garage. Let's say your attached garage, same principles. You're going to need four conductors. You need to isolate that neutral. You have a separate bar for your equipment grounds that make contact to the metal cabinet. And then all of your equipment grounds go on that bar all your neutrals go on the separate bar that's floating, that's not in contact with the metal cabinet, the same way you do as we just talked about in a detached structure. The only difference here is obviously you're not going to run any grounding electrode system for that remote distribution panel in your basement. The building already has a grounding electrode system, and that's done at the service. Okay? This is only required uniquely for the detached building or structure, like a garage in the backyard that's not attached or like Jay's case, a warehouse that he's building or something like that. If it's a shed out back and you're running one simple UF cable to it, then you don't need a grounding electrode system at all because of the exception in 250.32A. Pretty simple stuff, right? But you got to think because it can save you a lot of headaches if you get it wrong and have to come back later and do something. Okay? So that's what we're here for. All right. Well, hopefully you got something out of that episode today. Um, answer two questions for you. You might've thought that I took a little too long to answer them. That's okay. Like I said, always, I'm eager to hear your podcast. And if you can explain it better, dude, send me a link. I'd love to listen to your podcast till next time. Stay safe. God bless. And remember, go to paulabernathy.com. If you'd like to submit a question and I will answer it in Paul's normal long winded explanation till next time. Stay safe.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.